The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, each to their own town. And so also Joseph went up from Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David that is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, in the fields, there were shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified The angel said to them, fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that is for all the people. For unto you this day in the city of David is born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly with the angel, there was a whole multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace on those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go on to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened that the Lord has made known to us. And so they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying they had been told about this child and all who heard it wondered at the shepherd's words. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her hearts. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard as it had been told to them. And friends, this night, this is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, on this holy night, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit afresh upon us that we may hear, read, learn, mark, and inwardly digest the Christmas gospel so that we would be changed changed more and more to be like the one born in Bethlehem. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to be seated. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. The angel keeps saying it. This is the message of the Christmas angel to every person he meets in this story that begins at the beginning of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 13. Fear not, Zechariah. Your prayers have been answered. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Skip over to Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Fear not, Joseph, to take Mary as your wife. 
And finally now tonight with the shepherds in the field, Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that is for all the people. The angel says it again and again because this is the message that humanity needs to hear again and again. We need again and again to hear fear not because again and again we find ourselves afraid. We do, we find ourselves afraid a lot of the time. We try to cover it up, but we are fundamentally afraid at so many levels. It's like the woman who gets pulled over, the Texas woman who gets pulled over, and the state trooper, as he walks up to the car, she hands him her license to carry card, and he says, oh, ma'am, do you have a gun in the car? And she says, oh, yes. I have a Colt 45 in the glove compartment. I have a Glock 40 in the center console and a 357 Magnum in my purse. And the state trooper says, ma'am, that's a lot of firepower. What are you afraid of? And she said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> you know, my friends back in Canada ask me what it's like to live in, in the United States. I always give them the same answer. I, I don't know. I live in Texas. <laughs> but for all of our work to cover our fears, in all the ways we try to abate our fears and push them aside and cover them over and to make ourselves feel secure, we know at a deep level that they are illusions because our fears creep back. Because our fears demonstrate to us again and again just how vulnerable we are. And we didn't need 2020 to make us feel vulnerable, did we? We were already vulnerable. This last year full of pandemic and protests and partisanship and division and murder hornets and tiger kings, all that this year did was to shine a light on what was already true of us, that we're vulnerable. It's like C.S. Lewis, when he was speaking of the war, said, the present crisis creates no absolutely, absolute new situation. It simply aggravates the present, always present human situation so that we can no longer ignore it. Isn't it amazing that the same year that humanity privatized space travel is the same year that a virus brought our world to its knees? We're vulnerable, and it makes us afraid. And so the angel says, fear not. This is the good news of Christmas, fear not. But there's a reason. There's a great confidence with which the angel can tell us, command us no longer to fear because of Christmas. Because on this night, God meets us in our vulnerability. And this night, he not only meets us in our vulnerability, but he comes to bear it so that we no longer have to bear it ourselves any longer. And we see it all in the sign. The sign 
that the shepherds are given. The shepherds are given this incredible news. This child has been born. And you gotta go find him in Bethlehem. And here's the sign. Here's the indicator that you found the right child. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths in a manger. And in that swaddled cloth, we find the entirety of the gospel. Those bands of cloth wrapped around this Christ child to comfort a newborn baby, to swaddle this child. This contains the whole of the gospel. You see, first, the swaddling cloths wrapped around the baby Jesus are a sign that God has become vulnerable. God has entered into our vulnerability. I mean, it's the greatest wonder in all of history in these verses that we're told in the same breath that unto you is born this night a Savior who is Christ. That means the King, the long-awaited King, the Messiah King, the true King, the everlasting King, Christ the Lord, who as we unpack what that word means throughout the scriptures, especially as it goes on throughout all of Jesus' life, it doesn't just mean master, it means God, it means Yahweh, it means the God of Israel. That unto you today is born in the city of David the true long-awaited king who somehow is also God and he's swaddled, which means literally God has been wrapped, God has been bound, God has been by definition contained and limited and restrained. It's the wonder of what we call the incarnation, that God has become flesh. God, the infinite has become finite. The unlimited has been made limited. The immortal has been made mortal. The impenetrable has been made vulnerable. There is nothing more vulnerable than a newborn baby wrapped, bound in these swaddling cloths. We need hymn writers and poets to give us the language, the words to describe this wonder. Charles Wesley, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Or Lucy Shaw, the modern day poet, writes, quiet he lies, whose vigor hurled a universe He sleeps whose eyelids have never closed before. Older than eternity, now he is new, now native to earth as I am, nailed to my poor planets. God in the swaddle is God become vulnerable, which means that our God knows what it means to be vulnerable. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you've been through. He knows what you're going to go through. He knows what it means to be a vulnerable human being. Have you been hungry 
So is he. Have you been poor? So is he. Alone? A refugee? Betrayed? Even dying? So has he. As Hebrews chapter 4 tells us, we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. God swaddled, vulnerable like us. But there's even more. See, God becoming vulnerable doesn't necessarily deal with all that we fear, does it? It makes God empathetic. He can understand us. But there's more in this swaddle. There's more in Luke's gospel about these swaddling bands. Because the swaddling cloths say that God has become vulnerable to bear our vulnerability. The reason he became vulnerable was for a purpose that we would feel and be vulnerable no more. Verse 11, he's the savior. That's literally what his name, Jesus, means. Jesus, God saves. God to the rescue. He's come to rescue us. His being swaddled and vulnerable is to rescue us from all of our vulnerabilities. Here's what I mean. You know the next time that Luke will write about Jesus being wrapped in swaddling bands? It'll be at the cross. After Jesus is hung on the cross, bearing the sins of humanity, everything wrong in you, everything wrong in me, and bearing the most extreme version of our vulnerability, our own death, after he's born that and has died, we read in Luke chapter 23, verse 53, that a man named Joseph of Arimathea took the body of Jesus down from the cross and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in the stone where no one had ever yet been lain. Having experienced the fullest extent of what it means to be vulnerable, dying Again, we find God wrapped in swaddling bands. It's the same sign. It's the sign that God has come among us, has become vulnerable to save us from our vulnerability. And just so you know, I'm not making this stuff up. Gregory Nazianzus, a fourth century celebrated church father, says this. He was wrapped in swaddling bands, but at the resurrection, he released the swaddling bands of the grave. Because do you see? The fear that we feel about our vulnerability is solved, is saved in us. Because as he enters into our vulnerability, as he enters into that most extreme vulnerability of death itself, he doesn't stay there. On the third day, he bursts free from those swaddling bands, the sign. And in chapter 24 of Luke's gospel, verse 12, it says that when Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves and went home marveling. 
that same sign of this Christmas night, now broken free because he comes to bear our vulnerability that he would triumph over it victorious from the grave, that no longer do we need to fear that moment of death. No longer do we need to fear that extreme ultimate vulnerability for he in those swaddling cloths has entered in, has broken through and triumphed over everything that comes against us. It is the most wondrous exchange in the history of the cosmos that God would take our vulnerability on himself so that he could hand us, could exchange with us his eternity. As St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God the most wondrous exchange. And it all began on Christmas in that sign of the swaddling bands. I love how another church, Father Ambrose, writes this. He says, he was a baby so that you could be truly human. He was wrapped in swaddling bands so that you may be freed from the bands of death. He was in the manger so that you may be in the stars. He had no place in the inn so that you would have a mansion in heaven. The sign of the swaddling cloths at Christmas and at Easter is the sign of how God teaches us to fear not. He has entered our vulnerability to triumph over it, to save us, to rescue us from our vulnerability. Second Corinthians chapter eight says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, he became poor for our sake that you by his poverty might become rich. You know, the challenge for us is that we continue day after day, week after week, whether it's a 2020 or a 2021 or beyond, to be confronted with moments when we touch our fragility and our vulnerability. We, we feel it again and we're tempted in those moments to do exactly what the angels told us not to. We, be, we were tempted to fear, to worry, to say it's all coming to the end. And that's why at Christmas every year, and at Easter every year, and frankly, on every Sunday in between, we're here every week, we tell this gospel story. So that step by step, moment by moment, heartbeat by heartbeat, we can have the gospel penetrate more our hearts and minds. So that when we come to those moments of temptation, when we come to those moments when we're staring down what seems to be our greatest vulnerability, we can obey the Christmas angels and fear not. I close with this, that when I was in seminary, I did my first hospital visit. I went with the priest in our parish 
He did all the talking. I was there to observe. And we went to visit one of our beloved parishioners. She was in her 90s. Her name was Ada. And Ada had been coming to church regularly, but she was very frail and she was very close to death. She knew it. We knew it. Such a picture of extreme vulnerability. And I'll never forget the pastor by her bedside said to Ada, who, by the way, was very deaf in her 90s. Ada, you're dying. And she said, yes, I know I'm dying. And then he said, looking at that vulnerability, are you very fearful? And Ada, with a smile on her face, said, yes, I'm very cheerful. This is fearlessness that is one Sunday after Sunday, worship service after worship service, moment by moment of a life hearing the gospel. And the angels said to them, and say to you and me tonight, fear not. For I bring you good news of great joy that is for all the people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying in a manger. This is the Christmas gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.